0: Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a gorgeous conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by Alicia Weigel, where I ask her, how can we put the I in LGBTQIA? Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van I'm so excited to welcome our guest this week. Her name is Alicia Weigel. She is a Texas-based policy strategist and advocate for the rights of children born with intersex traits and is also the Human Rights Commissioner for the city of Austin, I'm obsessed with that title. Um, I'm obsessed with you, <laughs> Alicia. I have to give our listeners a little bit of a background. So, I was lucky enough to meet Alicia at the launch of JBN Hair in Austin. We were talking, Alicia came up and introduced herself, and we had an amazing time connecting and getting to know each other. And in that time, you shared with me that you are an intersex advocate and that you are someone who is intersex. And you also use she, they pronouns, which we were actually just talking about right before we started this. Um, But I'm just was and am so blown away by you. I loved your transparency, your openness, your heart, your energy was so clearly just brilliant and beautiful. And I mean, just meeting you in two seconds, I was just like, wow, this person's incredible. And so I'm just so honored that you took your time to come on here and to talk to us and to share your story. And so yeah, welcome. How are you?
1: Thank you. I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. And guess who washed her hair with JVN today?
0: You're, I was going to say, but I try to like focus on policy first sometimes, but <laughs> since you brought it up, <laughs> your hair looks uh, amazing. Which one did you use? I'm sorry, I have I'm to I'm smelling that squalene. Squalene? Squalene? Yeah, that, hemisqual, <laughs> that hemisqualene, honey, is a gorgeous scent. It smells scent. so good. Which it one did you amazing. use? the, Embody use or the, the deep
1: conditioning mask.
0: Yes, you better give me the nurture mask. Okay, Alicia, we are pivoting yes. from hair care. Our overall question for today is, how can we put the eye and LG? B-T-Q-I-A, honey. We're going to put the I in it.
1: I love it. Exactly. Because as of now, the I kind of stands for invisible, right? Mm. Because people don't really know anything about us. And I think um, updating the acronym was the first step and it's amazing. But I think if you ask even like 90 something percent of the queer community what that I stands for, I think most people probably won't be able to tell you. So I want to like start off today with kind of level setting, which is I think it's okay for everyone listening to like not know and be open to learning. And your whole podcast is about getting curious. So um, I think it's a great day to talk about what that I means, which is
0: intersex. So yes, intersex, not invisible. Um, I think one thing that blew me away is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't like 2% of of the world intersex? That's correct. Yeah, about
1: 2%. But the thing is, that's also severely undercounted because if you think about it, they don't give an intersex option on most birth certificates in most countries. And so they just give male and female. So I am intersex, but it says female on my birth certificate. So it all depends on like how they're counting the data and who even knows if I'm included in that 2% number. Um, And so until we really like up, Update so many systems like the census and political representation and everything. It's like, that's an undercount. But even if it is just 2%, I think it's way more than that. But even if it is just 2%, that's the same percentage of the world that has red hair. Or Mm. that's the same percentage of the world that has green eyes. So Mm. when people are like, oh, I've never met an intersex person. I'm like, have you met a redhead? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, you definitely met an intersex person. Then you just probably didn't know it.
0: That's, and also just, like, that's, like, so many families, so many friends, so many people just, like, because even if in 2%, I'm sure it is, like, woefully undercounted, and those are such good points that you raise, but that's still just, like, so many friends and family and folks that are, like, affected that this, like, binary has, like, literally bullied and shamed yeah. into silence, and so yep. what does it mean for someone to be born with intersex traits?
1: Yeah, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, Basically, intersex is an umbrella term, so it encompasses a lot of different types of people. We all look very different. We all have a variety of lived experiences. But what unites us is that our bodies were born literally intersex between the sexes. So we have physical traits whether it be our external genitalia or internal reproductive anatomy or hormones or chromosomes. So any sort of sex characteristics that fall between the binary of what a birth certificate or most of society would want you to think is just male and female. The thing is, it's not that simple. Just like some people with breasts have like really big boobs or just like some... You know, cis men don't really grow facial hair. Like there, there there's a binary. There's a false binary of sex characteristics, even beyond intersex, right? Like any biological trait that exists exists on a spectrum. And with intersex traits, it just means that our sexual and reproductive anatomy falls somewhere between the binary on that spectrum. So for me, you're looking at me and I think you would probably say I look pretty femme, I present pretty femme. Uh, most people who, you know, exist in society would look at me and just see kind of your average cis woman. But actually, I'm not cis in that I have XY chromosomes, uh, which most people usually equate to, quote unquote, being a man. But we'll get into trans and, and non-binary identities later. But I have XY chromosomes. And I also was born, instead of being born with a uterus and ovaries, I was born with internal testes. Um, However, I was sterilized as an infant. They took my testes, which basically then put me into hormone withdrawal as a kid. The closest equivalent of what I can, you know, describe it to people is basically being in menopause. When, when your body stops producing Certain levels of hormones, there's a lot of different symptoms, right? Mental fog or hot flashes, or, you know, all these different things. And because my natural hormone producing organs that I was born with were my testes, when they took them from me when I was only a few months old, that basically meant that I grew up my whole childhood in withdrawal from certain hormones that, like, my body naturally would have been producing. And then it was only in my early teens that I then went on hormone replacement therapy, which a lot of trans folks and non-binary folks can probably identify with. But for me, I didn't go on HRT just to kind of like, realize a certain aesthetic or change my appearance. I did it because they had taken my only hormone producing organs and your body needs hormones for like so many reasons, like supporting your bone growth, supporting your organs functioning properly. Right. So, um, and for me, my hormone uh, replacement therapy is just estrogen because one of the cool things about my intersex superpowers is that As someone born with what they call complete androgen insensitivity, and I'm putting that in air quotes, that means that my body doesn't respond to androgens, which a lot of people would say are quote unquote male hormones. And so my testes that I was born with, the testosterone that they produced my body would have peed some of it out, but then it would have converted a lot of it automatically to estrogen. So I would have just developed naturally on my own. So if you gave me like a shot of tea right now, of testosterone, my body would convert that to estrogen, which so many people are like scared of what they don't know or understand. But I'm like, that's like my superpower.
0: Like someone give me a cape. I love, <laughs> wait, that's amazing. So because, okay, wait, I'm up, okay. Okay. Yes. 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 So because your internal, like sexual organs were testes, and then they took them out and there wasn't ovaries, and then you just, it was like no hormones were home.
1: No hormones were home. And so once I hit maybe it was like 11 or 12, then I started seeing a doctor, uh, an endocrinologist to help start balancing out my hormones and figuring out what was going to work. The problem is, A lot of times with intersex kids, when we see those doctors, they are advising our parents to try to normalize us into one of two categories, right? The male or the female side of things. And that, as it turns out, was actually the whole reason that I was sterilized in the first place, because backing back up to when I was, you know, an infant, um, Someone like me with the intersex traits, complete androgen insensitivity, current studies show that there's somewhere between only a 1% and a 5% chance that my testes could have become cancerous. But the whole reason they removed them in the first place is because they told my parents like, hey, your daughter is born with this sort of body and she could get testicular cancer one day. And so we strongly urge you to let us do what they call a gonadectomy I'm like, let's call a spade a spade. They castrated me, right? So they urged my parents to do a quote unquote gonadectomy or remove my testes because I could theoretically get cancer one day. I don't want to make assumptions about your body, Jonathan, or anyone who's listening to this, but anyone who has testes here, I hate to tell you, you could also get cancer one day. But because you have some theoretical risk of cancer one day, which for me was only between one and 5%, they took away my reproductive organs without asking me. And not only did that require me to be on hormone replacement therapy, but that also means that they took away my decision of when and whether to have children when I was literally an infant.
0: Yeah, I wrote down sterilization. And yeah. I think that's, you know, obviously when we met each other the first time, that wasn't something that we like talked about in like those, you know, four minutes. Um, When yeah. you said it the first time, it was such a, it's such a big word That it almost, like, went over my head the first time, and as we talk about it again, it's like, whoa. Like, that is what happened. You were a baby, like, these are... And obviously, you know, our parents love us, and they're, like, trying, and they're told by these, like, but this is like, I mean, I'm covered in chills. It's like there's so many decisions were forced, like, foist upon you. Yes. um, Because there was... No space or acknowledgement or humanity given for people that are born intersex.
1: Exactly. It's exactly. And I think when you hear the word sterilization, people who know their history know that there were a lot of, for example, black folks that were forced sterilized when they used to do experiments on slaves. And like that's a horrific aspect of our US history we don't talk enough about. Some people might have heard that. There were forced sterilizations in ICE camps at the border um, within the past couple of years, which is also inhumane and not okay and against international law, by the way, to force sterilize any human being. Um, and yet, no one's talking about how forced sterilizations are happening on intersex kids in like accredited hospitals by like trusted doctors across the United States each and every day. And again, the reason they gave my parents is that I could have cancer one day. But I'll give kind of an analogous example. Have you ever heard of the BRCA gene, BRCA? Yeah, yeah. So breast that cancer if someone and ovarian. Has breast cancer and ovarian cancer, right. So there's this gene that certain people have where if they have the gene, they are more likely to get breast or ovarian cancer one day. In this age of like 23 and me, a lot of people do genetic testing for their kids and they have a lot of information information. If someone finds that a young kid has the BRCA gene, they don't come in, force a mastectomy, force a hysterectomy on that kid when the kid is too young to consent because there's a theoretical risk of cancer one day. And that risk of cancer is way higher, by the way. The BRCA gene, you have like a pretty high risk of getting cancer. But for me, I had somewhere between a one and a five percent risk of getting cancer one day. And they still just came in and took organs without asking me, took my organs from my body without asking me because intersex bodies are not viewed as normal and our rights are not equal to everybody else's. And so we don't have body autonomy. We don't have any say over these basic decisions that are happening to our bodies because it's like, oh, that's not normal. So of course we would want to quote unquote, fix them is how a lot of people still view it. And for queer listeners who are familiar with like conversion therapy, right? For, for gay people where they tried to like shock the gay out of you, right? And they still do in some states. And there's so much work being done to ban conversion therapy. Intersex kids also undergo conversion therapy, but using surgeons instead of psychologists and using scalpels instead of electric shocks. Because what they're doing is we're born in a way that a lot of people think is abnormal. And so they want to just convert you to what they think is normal. But just like we know you can't shock the gay out of someone like that is a fundamental part of who they are. It's the same thing with intersex. And like with me, removing my testes to try to push me into the normal female box that most people are comfortable with that doesn't erase that aspect of my humanity and who I am. And there's so much that has accompanied my identity as being an intersex person from, you know, stigma and shame and growing up feeling completely alone to having to like lie to my partners and undergoing medical abuse. And there's so much stuff. So like, I think I'm living proof that just because they took my testes to try to make me normal or like save me in their mind from being a freak, like it didn't work. I'm here to tell you like it didn't work. And I really wish that I could have been at the table when these decisions were being made about my own body.
0: It's the baby part, because when you're a baby and i think that really also leads to the underreported nature of people who are born intersex. So when a lot of these issues are happening within families that are made behind closed doors, there would be no way to advocate to make record of to make note of. So how would how would an adult explain like puberty to an intersex child? How is that I mean everyone's going to have a different experience with um any one experience, everyone's going to have a unique one. So I'm sure no two intersex people just like two, like no two people have the exact same thing. But how does that happen? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of like anger or is there like fear, shame, all of it.
1: Totally. And backing up to something you said, which is like part of the reason there's such underreporting of intersex people is a lot of us, a lot of these uh, abuses of our human rights that happen, happen when we're too young to, even speak, right? Let alone advocate for ourselves. And a lot of people don't even find out their intersex until they're much older because maybe their parents made this decision and never told them about it. And so sometimes someone will be in their forties. I saw one story that someone went into a hospital for a completely unrelated medical issue And their doctors were reviewing their records and were like, hey, what was this surgery in your childhood, you know, like on your genitals? Or maybe it was a sterilization, I can't remember. And the person was like, what surgery? Like A lot of intersex people don't find out until they're older and someone catches something in their medical records. And maybe it was their parents that lied for them. Or sometimes it's like the doctors make these decisions and kind of like dupe the parents or the parents don't even feel fully informed about what's happening to their child The only reason my parents knew I was intersex when I was born is because my parents got in a car crash when my mom was pregnant with me. And if that hadn't happened, they just would not have known that I was intersex until I just never got a period when when it was around the time of puberty. And the whole reason they found out is because my mom was pregnant, my parents got in a car crash. They did what's called an amniocentesis test on my mom. It's a test that uses a needle to check on certain characteristics about the baby. And, and they use this to check on my mom's pregnancy to make sure that the car crash had not terminated the pregnancy that test told my parents that I had XY chromosomes. So they were expecting a little boy. And so they painted the nursery blue and they were going to name me Charles after my father and both my grandfathers. And then lo and behold, in the delivery room, I'm born with a vagina and everyone's like a little bit confused, right? If my mom had not gotten in that car crash, I would have just grown up with my testes intact. I would have been like developing naturally, whatever. And they wouldn't have known something was up until I didn't get a period in my teen years or at whatever point they started to realize that that something was different. Because they knew with me from when I was born and these interventions on my body started happening so much earlier, I had a childhood where I knew from when I was really young, my parents told me that, I was infertile, that I was not going to be able to bear children. They told me that I was different. I had to see these special doctors. There were times, there was one time I remember specifically where like I went under anesthesia. And it was so that they could, like, observe me. And, like, you learn that a lot of intersex kids are kind of like guinea pigs for, like, research doctors and stuff. And if anyone's seen, like, Stranger Things, you know, 11, like, I I felt like that a lot. Like, I felt like I would be going into hospitals and doctor's office and, like, not fully understanding why I was there or not wanting to understand why I was there. Because the whole message I was getting from these doctors is you have a problem If you tell people you'll be made fun of and you'll never find a good husband one day because you want to lie and you want to tell them that you're just a regular girl so that you can get a good husband one day. And so when you're hearing that message your whole childhood from when you're very young, then you grow up feeling like, wow, I'm inherently unlovable for who I am. Like just for existing, I don't deserve love. And I think a lot of the queer community can relate to if you grow up feeling like your inherent existence is a problem, then oftentimes you kind of hyper correct. And so I went into trying to be like perfect because I was like, I have this big old blemish that I'm intersex and I can't help it, but I'm going to do everything I can do in my power to just be okay and like make my parents happy and make the world <laughs> accept me and love me, you know? So I was like the captain of all the sports teams and got perfect grades and did all this and did all that, like to try to accommodate for this thing that wasn't even a problem in the first place. Like I was just born
0: different. So some of what I here, it's like, these are a lot of like misguided rationales, um, why doctors and families will make these decisions. And ultimately, what it comes down to, at least the way I see it is, it's just like false narrative of the gender binary that we are like living with living under. And, um, you know, obviously, non binary and trans isn't the same thing as intersex. But I think the thing that non binary trans and intersex people have in common is that they all live somewhere outside of what like has been taught as like the gender binary, um, totally. and and but they all have different you know amounts of like shame and public perception, and like all have different experiences. And even within those communities, there's like all sorts of different experiences. Hundred um, percent. But when it comes to intersex people, um, and because there is so many different variations, like medical variations of being intersex, I'm sure like you had those like really big words about like androgens something.
1: Insensitivity. Yeah, there's
0: probably like, oh, yeah, that's not that big of a word. Androgen insensitivity. I can do it. I got (laughs) it. I've heard before this um, idea that like you can put 10 people through the same traumatizing experience and they're all going to have like different reactions, like different experiences within that. Like so 10 people who have survived sexual abuse, 10 people who have been through a wreck. And I think that literally being born intersex in this world as we live is trauma.
1: A hundred percent. From the minute you leave the womb, the first decision made in a hospital is which do we put on the birth certificate? So from the very first second we leave the birth canal. our
0: existence is erased. Mm. is there anywhere in the world who does yes. intersect in- Germany? okay, what's that what's and their deal? Do they do what's their deal? and
1: and Colorado now offers a third option on birth certificates. So there are some places, but What going back to your question about kind of like what is the lived experience like as an adult going through these things and how there's so many different experiences, I'm going to drop a pin in this and say for a second that the whole reason we use the term intersex rather than hermaphrodite, besides the fact that hermaphrodite is such a loaded word and has been used derogatorily throughout times and like is now pretty much like a slur. It also just gives a false depiction about intersex bodies because it gives it, I think at least the impression I get when I hear that word is that someone's walking around with like two fully loaded sets of genitalia, like of both genders. That doesn't actually exist. That was how it was explained to me when I was like
0: six, when I was like little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't exist. And that actually doesn't exist. It
1: does not exist in humanity. It's basically like you either have like one set, another set or something somewhere in between. Right. But what the doctors do. I, I kid you not. What the doctors say is they said they say it's easier to dig a hole than it is to build a pole. And what they mean by that is it's easier to create a vagina than it is to create a penis. So they default to making little intersex kids girls, quote unquote. And so they they, without asking these little kids, they operate on their genitalia to force it to fit better into one category. And their rationale is they say, We want to avoid this kid having trauma of being made fun of or being persecuted. That being said, like undergoing these surgeries when you don't really know what's going on and oftentimes they're botched and they affect your sexual sensation for the rest of your life and all this stuff, Like, that's a lot of trauma in and of itself. There's no real health or happiness justification for doing what these doctors are doing. It's all to try to normalize people into categories that white, Western, patriarchal, cis-heteronormative society is familiar and comfortable with.
0: We know what your connection to this topic is, which is beautiful. So what inspired you to tell your story in the first place? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. So... Uh, you know my old boss Wendy Davis.
0: Yes, who we're obsessed with. Who I actually talked to on the phone with today, <laughs> literally again Aww. for a completely unrelated issue. Because trying to put out this one fire. Because like my friend needs some support for this one thing. Because hello, Texas, fucking hard yeah. place for yeah. you know every marginalized person. So anyway, eh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. But we love Wendy Davis. <laughs> we
1: love Wendy Davis. She, for people who aren't aware, she used to be a Texas state senator. She has run for governor. She's run for. U.S. Congress. That is when Jonathan supported her campaign, which was awesome. Hopefully she'll win next time. But Wendy had at the time just lost her governor's race in Texas. She wanted to take some time out of public office to found an organization that could train the next generation of young women in Texas to be able to better advocate for gender equity and, and their needs. And she moved me to Texas to help her launch that organization, which is called Deeds Not Words. It's still super active if people want to check them out. They train high school and college age um, activists how to better advocate for for gender equity. And so that's how I ended up in Texas. And it's ironic because I told you the story before where my parents thought I was going to be a boy because of my XY chromosomes, right? They were going to name me Charles. So when I was born... Um, they didn't have any quote unquote girl names picked out. And so as the story goes, apparently my dad, like in the corner of the room was like, oh, we could name her Alicia after that hurricane that hit Houston when we were living there in the early Uh eighties. So I'm literally named after a hurricane. Uh That's so cute. Yeah. And like Wendy's sometimes like, yeah, Hurricane Alicia came back to Texas to like fuck shit up again. But fuck it up in a good way. Yeah, right. Being being born, I already shattered everyone's existence by breaking that gender binary. But anyway, I'll I'll do it again and again every day. I'm here, I'm here blowing shit up. But anyway, so I moved here to Texas in 2016 to help Wendy launch this organization. For the organization, we were training a lot of young people how to advocate at the Capitol, how to raise their voice effectively to make changes to our laws in this country. And at the time we were focused a lot on sexual assault and human trafficking because it was right in the height of like the Me Too movement. It was something that unfortunately is far too relevant for all these young people. If they have not been sexually assaulted, they know someone who has. So we started out on that issue as our anchor issue. And I was giving these trainings all the time to these young people and urging them to be vulnerable and share their story to heal themselves and to help others. And although I was a sexual assault survivor, I've also shared my story on that front. There was this big piece of me that still felt like a hypocrite because I was asking these people to be vulnerable and, and share who they are, even when it's not always easy because the truth will set you free and there was this huge piece of myself that I had never shared with the world, which is that I was born intersex and that I had gone through all all of this stuff as a kid and that I still continue to, it continues to affect my life each and every day. And so basically, fast forward a little bit, I'm in Wendy's office and I'm reading a copy of Vogue magazine. Wendy's very fashionable, as mm-hmm. you know, and... There is an article in Vogue magazine about this intersex supermodel named Hannah Gabby O'Deal. Hannah is from Belgium. And it was about Hannah came out as being intersex in the fashion world. And I had never heard the word intersex, keep in mind because I was always told that I have complete androgen insensitivity. I had a problem and I was being fixed. I was never told like, hey, you're born as part of this great big community of people like you. You're not alone. You have people you can connect with, like whatever. This is another reason why intersex people don't come out because I am intersex and I hadn't even heard that word till I was 27 years old. Back to the story... I'm reading this copy of Vogue magazine. I'm reading Hannah's story. I've never heard the word intersex, but I'm like, all of this story sounds exactly like mine, like these surgeries and these hormones and these whatever. So that night I went home and I get on Google and I start Googling intersex and I go down a rabbit hole for like five hours and I'm like, holy shit, I'm intersex. Like there's people like me out there. Like I'm not alone. I'm not a freak. Like it's okay to be intersex, like mind blown. And so at that point, I then ended up coming out to Wendy first. She was the first person I ever came out to. And I'll tell you first, before I get into how I came out publicly, how I came out to her, because I think it's like illustrative of the shame and the stigma that we feel. I came out to Wendy after a few glasses of wine and I immediately it was like, so I understand if you need to fire me because we do a lot of abortion advocacy and I could never get pregnant because I don't have a uterus. And so I understand if you want to fire me and like hire someone that, you know, could better speak to those issues. And she's like, whoa, 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 Alicia. Like, calm down. First off, I'm not going to fire you for being intersex. Like, what? And then second off, she's like, thank you for honoring me with sharing your story. Like, I am very honored and I love you and I support you. But what that shows is like, we experience as intersex people, our whole lives We are taught that we are inherently a problem for who we are. And so we start to like sabotage ourselves sometimes. And like, I do that in the dating world too, because it's like, I still have this, these feelings that I'm unlearning, which is that I am a problem and I'm unlovable as who I am and that no one's going to be able to handle who I am, which is why so many intersex people don't come out in the first place. Anyway, I told Wendy, I was like, based on this organization we work for and the mission of our organization of sharing stories to help others and to help heal yourself, I do want to come out at some point, but I want to do it in a way that makes sense and that's going to help other intersex people like me. Literally like a week later, they launched this piece of legislation in Texas called the bathroom bill, which Mm. I assume you've heard of. Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: In case our listeners are not familiar... Bathroom bills, they happen all across the country, but they're basically these, these pieces of legislation where they try to legislate and say that people need to use the bathroom that aligns with the sex on their birth certificate. Which, by the way, side note, it says female on my birth certificate and I was still born with balls. So there's still people born with balls using the restroom, even non trans people. There's, There's so many reasons why this legislation doesn't make sense in the first place. Plus, who carries around a birth certificate with them? How are they going to enforce this? Like, whip out your birth certificate in the bathroom? Like, I I don't carry my birth certificate in my bath pocket. But anyway, so this bathroom bill comes to Texas. They had already tried to pass it earlier that year. It had failed. But there were these certain legislators that were super butthurt. And they were like, we want to try again because we really, really hate trans people and so they're trying to pass this bathroom bill again. And I'm at the Capitol with Wendy giving a training to all these advocates about how to use your voice to kill this legislation. And so I get home and like, I don't know what it was like, but something just clicked in my mind where I was like, wait. I keep hearing these legislators talking about how biological sex is cut and dry. And that's why we need this bill, because then these trans perverts will go back to where they came from or whatever. (laughs) And I was like, and I was like, biological sex is not cut and dry. Like, my existence is proof of that. And so I was like, if they want to pass discriminatory legislation, they should at least open a biology textbook first, was my thought. And then you learn later that they don't care about science or biology or any of that. Otherwise, none of these bills would exist in the first place. But so at that point, I went to the Capitol the next morning. Wendy gave me the idea, actually, of trying to look as femme as possible when I went to the Capitol. So I like blew my hair out. I had lipstick on. I was wearing a cute little dress. And I walked into the Texas Senate chamber and I told them that I was born with balls. Uh And so I bet I killed all their little boners because they're real confused about what that means or what those feelings that they're feeling are. And it's so funny too, because online when you see like, I get in conversations with these conservative pundits sometimes and you'll see these comments on YouTube and people are like, I think Alicia's hot. Does that make me gay? And I'm like, oh, this is starting they're starting to question their thoughts and their beliefs about what gender means and what sexuality means. It's like, so if I can be the starting place for people, then then that's that. But on that day, it was trying to be the ending point for this bill, which ended up failing again, thank God. But yeah, so I basically came out in front of the Texas Senate before I had even told my own brother or like any of my friends or anyone
0: else. And what was the response like? Were you, did you feel liberated? Were you like, Did you have vulnerability hangover? Was it both?
1: Yeah, I think it's funny because at first I like came out to the world because the Texas Senate is televised and people were watching it on their TVs and there was news coverage and people were texting me or whatever. But I say that I came out to the world before I actually came out to myself, before I actually fully internalized what it would mean to be out in society, specifically in a state like Texas, where that is so hostile to trans and intersex rights. But even what it just meant for me, like, how do I feel about my identity? How do I feel about dating? How do I feel like, am I able to love myself, you know? And so it's weird. I almost like to say that I came out in reverse because I came out like so publicly without even necessarily thinking through the implications of like how that would affect my life. And then ever since then, which was in 2017, so for the past like four years, I've been doing the work of actually like unpacking what this identity means to me and how I feel about myself and my own journey of self-love and self-compassion.
0: Can you help us do like a breakdown of why these trans discriminatory bills are also really fucked up against like sports on an intersex basis because biological sex isn't cut and dry and wouldn't that they're not the
1: bill that is happening in texas right now is house bill 25 house bill 25 is trying to say that for a kid to play sports in the state of texas they need a statement of a student's biological sex on the student's birth certificate for them to be able to enter a sports team in texas so first off, the whole thing is like, where do I play? Where do intersex kids play? Like just like when it was the bathroom bell, I was like, where do I pee? I would ask that, I would literally ask them this in the Capitol. I was like, where am I supposed to pee? Do you want me to pee outside? Because then you'll arrest me for public urination. And that sounds messy and unsanitary. They don't have answers to any of these questions. But this one, this time it's about for a kid to play on a sports team, they need proof from their birth certificate what their biological sex is to play on a sports team. But again, what I like to remind people is it says female on my birth certificate. I played on girls' sports teams my whole life, and yet I was born with balls. It's not that simple. Like The world doesn't exist in these neat little boxes that people like to talk about. It's just like a lot of people don't know. Intersex people are not allowed to serve in the military because our bodies are considered Uh so scary or so they disrupt people's nice little notion of boxes to shove human beings into And that's one of the, one of the laws that I'm like, maybe I don't hate that one because then I can't get drafted. And, you know, we, but,
0: but like, it's still. So how does that feel for you? Like, or for intersex people? It's like when people say like, you know, trans women are women or like, you know, trans men are men. It's like, what does it feel like to be an intersex person? who's just like, why, like, can we have like, is there, a, is there a feeling within the intersex community, of, like, can we have our own thing? Or, like, do we have to be one? Or, like, is, is, am I totally off base there? It just was, like, I thinking, like... I think that, like,
1: intersex people can have any race. They can have any gender identity. They can have any whatever. We all have kind of different thoughts, feelings, God, and opinions. God. Just because of the anatomy I'm born with doesn't affect, like, you know it shouldn't affect the rest of my life, the trajectory of my life and who I'm like forced to be. These bills, it's not just the sports bills. When you look at these, there are bills across the U.S. that try to block trans affirming healthcare for kids, right? And those bills, they try to block surgeries, which by the way, don't even happen on trans kids. They don't do those surgeries till later in life. They try to block hormones They try to block like puberty blockers. But what most people don't know about and aren't talking about, these same bills that are blocking life-saving healthcare for trans kids include loopholes written into the bill that say, don't allow these procedures for trans kids, but make sure you can still force them on intersex kids. It's literally written into the bills. And so it's just like proof that they know The people writing and filing these bills, they know that it's not based in science. It's not based in biology. It's not based in fact. It's based on them trying to assert what they view as normal. They don't think little intersex kids are normal. So they say force surgeries, force hormones on them. But if a trans kid's asking for those same surgeries, those same hormones, don't give it to them because trans is unnatural. Trans isn't normal. It it makes no logical sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it.
0: Which is also so smart because it's like, ultimately, I think that that was some of the stuff that I'm learning when I was like, well, what is like the intersex community? Think about it's like, John, then there's sexual orientation yes. and there's gender identity and, there's sex. and neither of those have to do with. But then and neither of those have to do with sex. Yes. Like your sex can be any old thing yes. and you can have any old gender identity and you can have any old sexual orientation because exactly. that's. Yeah. yeah hello, major, we're obsessed. And these are the conversations
1: that we need to be happening within the queer community, right? Because like, even within the queer community, intersex people are ignored at best. But oftentimes, like we hear these weird claims that like queer folks are like, we heard intersex people like didn't want to be included or like, what? And I don't know where those claims come from. We're fighting so hard just to be included. But let's, set society at large aside, we're trying to just be included within the queer community. And like when the pride flag was updated this year to include the intersex flag, um, there was so much hatred that intersex people were getting like from gay men, from like cis gay men or from whatever. And people forget that like the trans community experienced so much of that too. Like trans people had to throw bricks to be heard. They ha- I'm like if I haven't thrown a brick at you yet then we're doing okay, you know? <laughs> like we need the queer community to hop on board and support us because not only is it that we often face exclusion from the queer community, but we also need the queer community to take our rights into what the, you know, your collective mantle of what you're advocating for just like the trans community did because I'm one of three out intersex activists that I know of in the state of Texas. And Texas is huge. It's larger than most countries. There's only three of us out in the state. And so when all these bills are happening, when all these things are happening, like I as an intersex person, I'm expected to be everywhere because I need to kill that bill. I need to show up at this hearing. I need to do that. And it's like, I also need to have like a job and just pay my bills. And like, I should be able to like go get some ice cream if I want or like what other things people do in their free time. And it's like, if we could get the queer community, like non-binary folks like yourself, queer folks, everyone to start showing up for our rights and speaking on our behalf, just like y'all do for any other letter of the LGBTQIA plus acronym, that would just be like so magical and gorgeous in
0: your words. Got it, got our marching (laughs) orders. So, and you were saying earlier that like Germany and Colorado. So they're fierce. that what are what's Germany doing with intersex kids? Yeah, rights? so
1: a lot of entire countries have banned these non-consensual surgeries on intersex kids. Like Germany, Malta, which is a country Portugal tried it got passed out of their parliament, but then got vetoed by the president, but it made it really far. Um and here in the US we don't have anywhere that has banned surgeries, but we did have some major strides this past year. New York State passed a law that officially condemns these surgeries. Um, California has officially condemned these surgeries as a state. And then certain cities have gone even farther than that. So after New York State condemned these surgeries, then New York City... Um, their public health and hospital system made a blanket decision to no longer perform these surgeries in any public public hospitals in New York City. Here in Austin, we do not have publicly funded hospitals, so unfortunately, I can't just like talk to one like hospital god hospitals are and just be like stop doing these surgeries. It's like really decentralized here. So it's a it's a different scenario, but we do have a an ordinance that is coming to our city council on October 21st that basically is condemning these surgeries, just like what California and New York did, and trying to fund a public information campaign for doctors and parents of intersex kids so that they have more information at their disposal, so that doctors get the most recent research and they get all the marching orders from the UN and the World Health Organization that all literally define these four surgeries as torture. Um, They're gonna get all that information so that they can make better decisions. And parents are going to get that information so that even if they have a doctor that comes with implicit biases or with their own religious informed opinions or whatever, at least the parent then will have more knowledge at their disposal so they're not duped like my parents were into making decisions that might ultimately harm their child. So I'm really hoping that that passes. If it does, we would be the first city in the South to do pass any legislation for protection of intersex kids.
0: Um. Okay, I love that. So who I mean it might be obvious, like who's really falling short? Who's fucking up? Who do we who do we need to like really pay attention to? Like you know, I would imagine there's lots of people.
1: Totally. Well, I would say just the US in general. Like Europe is so much farther ahead than we are on these issues. So in Europe, the acronym that people use, everyone uses the acronym LGBTI. Everyone. Like they don't use lgbtq they use lgbti the intersex community it's just everyone there like knows about intersex folks they're advocating for intersex folks they have countries shutting down these surgeries and then here in the states it's like we're still very much you know underrepresented and frankly invisible in a lot of a lot of cases within the US who's messing up texas is messing up real bad texas whether it be trans kids, intersex kids, non-binary kids, like we have the most assaults on our rights and freedoms here in Texas. It's kind of ground zero. And when what happens here gets replicated elsewhere throughout the rest of the country, just like what we're seeing with anti-abortion legislation. So, yeah, if we if we can, as a city of Austin, do a little bit better and like show an example to the rest of the South of how things could be, then that would be really big.
0: So what do you think? the future looks like for intersex visibility and rights.
1: I think, honestly, we've made huge strides this past year alone. For years, it's felt like we're just screaming into a void and it gets really frustrating and sad sometimes. And being intersex can be really lonely. So I do want to take a second to like shout out, if there's anyone listening to this podcast, we'll make sure that like you know how you can connect with other people that share lived experience with you. But this past year alone, we've seen these huge strides. Samantha B had an episode about intersex people. We updated the pride flag to include intersex, the intersex flag. The, we've been talking with the White House. They're going to do something for intersex awareness day. Like we're making these huge strides. And so I'm feeling very heartened and I just hope that we can keep that momentum rolling and moving forward and that people start hopping on the train. And I hope everyone listening to this podcast, that this isn't your only time that you're looking into these issues, that this isn't your only story that you're hearing. There are so many intersex stories that need to be heard. So I just hope that, you know, more people start giving us platforms and that it just becomes like a household issue, like where people know we need to fight for trans rights. They know we need to fight for non-binary rights. And now they know that we need to fight for intersex rights too.
0: Yeah. And I mean, intersex is, uh, it's really interesting because intersectional, it is coming up for me. I mean, these, because people who are intersex are also Black, brown, yes. Hispanic, Asian—they um, come from all walks of life. They like, like the like, intersex people's issues are everyone's issues, and ultimately, we need folks to, like you said, this cannot be the only thing that folks are listening to. Mm-hmm. If this is your introduction, that's great. But what's next? Which rolls us into our perfect final question: yes. How can everyone get involved in this effort? Where can people follow you? Where can people support um, intersex organizations? How can LGBTQ? Uh, A, you know, all the other ones except for the I's uh, get involved in intersex stuff. And how can we really put the I in LGBTQIA? Thank you.
1: This is the best question. And to answer the first part of your question, to follow me, my handle is XOXY. Get it? Instead of like XOXO, XOXY, because I have XY pronouns. It's XOXY underscore Alicia, A L I C I A, on Twitter, on Instagram. On TikTok, I think I have like one TikTok follower. Haven't really done much there. Getting there. You got (laughs) to start
0: somewhere. You'll get there. You got a lot of stuff going on. We'll get there. We'll get there.
1: But yeah. So I'm X O X Y underscore Alicia on every platform. There are two amazing organizations that people should follow on social media. One of them is called interact, which is short for intersex activism. So search for interact advocates on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then there's also intersex justice project, which as you mentioned, Jonathan, there are brown intersex people, there are black intersex people, there are a ton of them and their voices are disproportionately underrepresented just like black and brown voices are everywhere. So Intersex Justice Project was founded by two friends of mine, Pigeon and Saifa, who are also great for people to follow. And they founded Intersex Justice Project for intersex people of color to have a home. So if anyone is listening to this and wants to be a better ally, or if anyone's listening to this and is like, hey, am I intersex? Like, this is all sounding a little bit too familiar. I highly, highly, highly recommend checking out Interact an intersex justice project and we will find a home for you. We will find a way for you to get involved.
0: We're going to add all the links to the description of the episode that people are listening to this on. So if you're on this part of the podcast, honey, that is there for you, get into the description, get involved, check out my Instagram. Obviously I'm going to be linking all of Alicia's stuff. Um, Alicia, thank you so much for your time and your activism and your energy and your heart and your love. You're just amazing. Just such an honor to meet you. And this won't be the last time. I think we have more episodes and more Instagram lives and things in our future. Thank you so much again. Thank
1: you too. Like you're amazing. And thank you for just giving us a platform.
0: You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Alicia Weigel. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thanks so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend and please show them how to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Curious with JVN. Our socials are run and curated by Middle Seat Digital. Our editor is Andrew Carson. Getting Curious is produced by me and Erica Ghetto.